Okay, the beginning of this sermon comes with a health warning. If you are a nervous disposition and you don't like creepy crawlies and things, you might not want to look at the screen. Who's frightened of things like spiders? I don't know if it's going to come up. Right. Maybe we're frightened of the dark. How are we doing, Alan? I had some wonderful pictures for you. Put your hands up. Anyone frightened of spiders? Come across a beautiful one the other day. I left it there because it was just above the light switch in the tent store at Hill House, and I thought it's going to come down and somebody's going to put their hand on it. It's going to be wonderful. <laughs> we can't see our spider. Spider's misbehaving. He's gone. Who knows where he is? How many people are frightened of the dark? Oh, there's at least one person that's frightened of the dark. All two people. What about things like cows? Anybody not like cows? Uh, strange animals. I once looked after 72 cows for a week. And one bull. Everything was fine so long as you let the bull stay with the cows. You try to separate him, may, mayhem, complete mayhem. What about rats? Ah, apparently in London, you're never more than six foot away from a rat. So if you're planning to go to London, just bear that one in mind. But we're frightened of funny things, aren't we? And um, I was thinking about this fact that we're frightened of things as I was preparing this sermon and looking at this psalm, because Psalm 121 talks about where our help comes from, focuses back on God. And it's actually part of a number of psalms, starting from 120 up to, I think, 135, that are called Psalms of Ascent. What is a Psalm of Ascent? Well, it's a particular part of the songbook of Psalms that would be used on the journey up to Jerusalem. A journey to, on pilgrimage, for instance. And they would say these Psalms as they were heading up. Alan's still trying to find the pictures, but it's fine. We'll cope with that. We'll all imagine the picture I'm about to show you. These journeys, perhaps three times a year, um, for the, the main feast, you would go up if you live within a certain region. You'd be expected to go to Jerusalem to celebrate. Celebrate tabernacles, Passover, Feast of Weeks. And you would head in to Jerusalem. But Jerusalem was built on a hill. So to get there, you had to ascend. And these psalms were kind of like songs for the journey, songs to encourage you. Because as you went towards Jerusalem, you would have gone through a valley like the one I can't show you, Valley of Jordan, the Jordan Valley. And if the picture is on the screen, you would see a very rocky, dusty, steep, difficult terrain. And you might think to yourself, do I really want to walk there? I mean, we go for walks, we go for nice forest walks, or we go you know, to the Forest of Dean, or we go to... A beach, somewhere nice. This isn't particularly a nice journey. This is a, a tough journey. There might be scorpions. Things that are, come bite you in the night. And when it was dark in the night, it would be very dark. There won't be any cows, maybe, but who knows. 
There might be thieves and robbers. There might be all sorts of things. And so that is the backdrop of this psalm. This is the backdrop as we read these words together again this morning. As we look at it, that is the backdrop as they would be saying, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. They are looking up. Why are they looking up? Well, it's a psalm of ascent. They're looking up where they're going, maybe. Maybe they're looking up and thinking, well, where does my help come from? Jerusalem. That's where the temple is. That's where God is. But actually, I think they're going beyond that. They are lifting their eyes up beyond. And there's a clue in the fact that it says, my help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. Let's think of the picture for a moment. They might be walking, there might be other um, carvings and idols and other gods, but these are just man-made things. They are looking up beyond the temple, into the heavens, and understanding that all that is around them has been made by God, who is greater than any of these things around them. And that is where their help comes from. They put God into perspective. We don't have to be in the temple. We don't have to be at church on Sunday in order to be with God. God's help comes wherever we are. Which God? Well, it says, and I've mentioned it already, the God who made heaven and earth, the creator, Yahweh, the God with unlimited powers. Up to the mountains, because Jerusalem was built up and high, but the gaze goes beyond uh, to, to that of the mountains, to the one who created the mountains. Darren pointed out to me this morning, I'd already spotted it, thankfully. There's a word in here that repeats itself quite a lot. And that word is watch or watches. In some versions, it may be keeps or preserves. And here's the Hebrew word that nobody knows. Shema. Shema is the word that is there here in the psalm. And it's there six times. And it means to keep or preserve. This psalm is all about what God does for us in looking after us and protecting us. It's a psalm both for us as individuals. It's a psalm for the individual uh, Israelite on their journey. But it's also a psalm for the nation. It's a psalm looking at how he protects and keeps those. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, who uh, is, a, for those that don't know, a, a dead preacher, but a very good preacher. He's in heaven. He's in glory. Actually, I, um, Spurgeon, sorry, this is a little aside very quickly. When I was treasurer of a Baptist church back in Kent, when you became treasurer, you got handed this letter. It's a wonderful letter. It was written by Spurgeon. And it was a letter to the people of the church. And Spurgeon gave £50 to the church of that day. That's over 120, 130, now I've got older, 140 years ago. And he gave it £50 to build the church that we worshipped in. It was 25% of the cost. Wonderful man. But he said this about this psalm. He says, three times have we the phrase, Jehovah shall keep 
as if the sacred trinity thus sealed the word to make it sure ought not all our fears to be slain by such a threefold flight of arrows what anxiety can survive this triple promise so i'm picking up on these three things that spurgeon picked up on i'm picking up on these things if you're an anxious person here are things to encourage you this morning firstly our god does not sleep he will not let your foot slip he who watches over you will not slumber indeed he who watches over israel will neither slumber nor sleep he is a 24 7 god he is awake when you are asleep. There is no need to be frightened of the dark. I was reminded when um, looking at this passage and thinking of him always watching over us and never sleeping, of the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal. You remember the story where there's two altars set up, one by Elisha and one by the worshippers of Baal. And he says, go on then, the God who's can come and quench this um, altar and can bring the flames that is the one true God and he stands there and he taunts them he says, maybe you should shout louder maybe your God is asleep not true with our God our God is a God who never sleeps he is always watching over us the second thing is he's our shade he's our protection Verse 5, the Lord watches over you, the Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. 24 hours, he's protecting us. The sun and the moon. Now we can understand when you're looking at this picture of being protected from the sun. Julia and I are off to Italy later today. I've got to do some work. She's coming to do some window shopping. She's promised me it's just window shopping. Milan can be an expensive place. But it's 39 degrees in the shade. It's pretty warm. We were thinking, do we pack some sun cream? We need protection. Because the sun, and you can imagine as they're walking through the Jordan Valley and up towards Jerusalem, the sun during day, that was something that was going to really get to them. It's a real interesting picture. But what about the moon? We need protecting from the moon. Well, some would say that it's perhaps to protect from the uh, the lunatics, if you like, the superstitious, the the things that might be evil at night. Protect from those things that are unknown, the superstitious things. I think it's simply this: it's protect from everything, whether seen or unseen. He will protect us from all. The known issues, the sun. The unknown issues, maybe those superstitious fears, etc., of the moon. But he is our shade. He's there to protect us. Thirdly, it's whole life cover. You've ever had to buy some insurance for um, uh, life insurance or maybe pet insurance pet insurance I've discovered over many years comes in two flavors you can insure your pet for 12 months or you can insure your pets forever as in whatever illness they have it doesn't matter when the 12 months runs out 
and you look at the small print and you look at the and you realize actually it's not all cover in fact most insurances you look at the small print and you wonder why you're ever paying god has no small print he is whole life cover read with me verse 7 the lord will keep you from all harm he will watch over your life the lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. So it's beyond life cover, it's eternity cover thrown in. Our coming and our going for all eternity. This is a promise. All of this psalm is a promise which is comprehensive. God's people may trust in his preserving power for all of our activities. Our going out and our coming in. And at all times, from this time forth and forevermore. Spurgeon puts it like this. When we go out in youth to begin life and come in at the end to die, we shall experience the same keeping. Our exits and our entrances are under one protection. So threefold attributes of God. He doesn't sleep. He is our shade, our protection, and it's a whole life protection. Where does that leave us today? Where does the, that leave us in Abbey Church in 2022? We're not heading up a mountain. We're not heading to Jerusalem. Well, let me tell you this. We have it far, far better and beyond. We have a God that doesn't change, a God that still guards us, a God that still looks after us from all harm. But to be kept from evil does not make our life easy. It's not a cushioned life. It's just a well-armoured one. One where he can give us the protection. And to respond to this psalm this morning, I wonder whether we also should give some consideration to what we should do and our responsibility to a God that looks after us. Paul says in Ephesians 6 that we should put on the full armor of God so that we can take a stand against the devil's schemes. We can't just sit back and go, God will look after us, whatever. We have to do something about it. Verse 13 of Ephesians 6, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. Coming back to the psalm for a moment, I kind of went past verse 3 without much of a mention. But it says here, he will not let your foot slip. He will not let your foot be moved. If our foot is not moved if we do not fall over if we stand firm what is that as a christian and i got to thinking about what is that to as a christian believer standing in jesus what does that really mean who likes homework i think it was young abby that was in here last week and she was moaning that she got homework during the summer I thought, yeah, it's pretty cruel, isn't it? Here's your summer holiday, here's your project. 
thought to myself, the teacher will never mark it because you have another teacher. We don't like homework, but I'm going to give you some homework. I don't know whether you're meeting this week as community groups. Uh, this is the question for community groups this week. And I will email out some of these verses to you later today. What is it to be standing as a believer in Jesus' name? Let me just read some verses to you about standing and standing firm. Paul in Romans, Romans 5, says we stand in grace. He says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Isn't that an amazing promise? We stand in grace. We also stand in the gospel. Paul writing in his first letter to the Corinthians in chapter 15, Now, my brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. We know what it is as Christians, what we believe in. We therefore stand in courage and strength in the next chapter. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous and be strong. We stand in faith. He picks up the theme again in the second letter of the Corinthians in the first chapter. Now that we lord it, sorry, not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for joy because it is by faith that you stand firm. We stand in Christian liberty, Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened against the yoke of slavery. And we're not alone. We stand in Christian unity. Paul again, this time to the Philippians. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whatever I whenever, whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together for one for the faith of the gospel. And then finally, also in Philippians, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Paul picks up this theme of standing and standing firm in pretty much every letter. This is our response to this psalm, to understand who God is, to put into perspective to understand that he is there as our shade and our protector, to understand that he never sleeps and slumbers, to understand that he will take care of us. And for what purpose? Well, the goal is that we will stand perfect and complete in the will of God. Colossians 4. Actually, before I read this, let me just say, not only do we need to take responsibility for our stand, but we need to encourage one another in it 
And one of those encouragements is prayer. And I just end by reading this verse. It's from Colossians 4.12. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. Listen to this. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God mature and fully assured our goal is that we become mature in Christ to get there we need to stand firm and we need to encourage each other in prayer let us pray